What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Elevate Experience. The podcast about overcoming struggles and adversity and how that relates to addiction, recovery, and health. I am your host and the CEO of Elevate Addiction Services, Angie Manson. And I'm Dallas Terrell, co-host and life intervention counselor at Elevate. Thank you so much for joining us, and let's jump right in. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the show. Today, we have a very special guest, Mr. Kevin Mallon. Kevin Mallon works for Elevate Addiction Services alongside Angie and myself. Kevin's specialty is getting people into treatment and relaying the truth of addiction, helping families get their loved ones into treatment. And we can't thank Kevin enough for all his hard work and compassion. We really hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. I think the big takeaway from this one is that addiction is not a joke and addiction should not be taken lightly and that if you need help, help exists and Elevate would be glad to help you throughout that process. All right, and let's jump right into the conversation with Mr. Kevin Mallon. Hey, Kev, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ange. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on here. Hi, Kevin. Hey, Dal. What's up, man? Good to see you. Good morning. We're right glad to have you here. Do we miss you? Yeah. It sucks not seeing you in person. I try to get up there occasionally, but uh, I've kind of become accustomed to working from the comfort of my living room. <laughs> I, I don't mind it one bit, let me tell you that. I imagine it's actually beneficial for you because you're able to take calls uh, day, night, middle of the night. You were just, <laughs> you were just telling me about a call you took last <coughs> night. Uh, tell me about that because I know I've heard from many different parents and clients that that's a big differentiator is the fact that we try to continue to work with the families past normal quote unquote business hours. Yeah, that's a good point. And you know, this whole thing working from home for, for me has actually caused me to work more and to be, you know, I think more productive. You're not driving to work for an hour. Some days I don't even have to take a shower and, you know, get dressed. You know, I can work from my pajamas if I want to, but that being said, yeah, last night and many nights you'll get woken up by a text or a phone call at two or three o'clock in the morning from a troubled or scared mom or spouse. And I really try to, you know, be there for them. I happen to wake up at four o'clock, see the text and respond to her at four o'clock in the morning. And, and that goes a long way to making people feel comfortable, I think. Perfect. And, and you know, it's interesting because this just happened and it was actually going to be my one of my questions for you. And you literally lived the experience last night with a mom who was ready to bring her child into uh, rehab, gave him some money to go get a little food before he comes in. And instead he goes out and gets heroin. And she's so upset and frustrated. She's like, forget it. I'm not spending any more money on him. We're done. I've, I've extended myself too much. And she wants to call it quits. How do you handle that situation? So yeah, you, you run into it a lot. And this is a little bit different. Um, a lot of people when they are seeking treatment, they have health insurance, right? So when a parent or a child in this instance doesn't have health insurance to cover, you then run into the, the monetary aspect of things, which is you know, it's not a fun thing to talk about somebody spending a whole bunch of money to get their kid off alcohol or drugs. It's a it's a challenging conversation dis- to have. Yeah. yeah, and it you know it, it's painful because these people have spent. You know, she told me earlier in the week, you know, close to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars on different you know twelve step type programs that haven't Damn. settled for for this young man. And we'll call him John Doe, right? John We're Doe. We're going to talk about you know individuals, but she. Got a call from her son yesterday. He was all set up to come here. And the the young man said, hey, I want to go get some burritos, spend some time with my friends. And the caring mom, you know, he manipulated. And here's some money for burritos. And next thing you know, it, he's in, you know, the, the bedroom somewhere doing dope, doing heroin. Um, so the handle for me or the, the discussion that I had with that woman early in the morning and right before I came in here is you got to think about that's the drug. That's not your son. That's the drug that's manipulating his lifestyle. He's going to manipulate you. He's going to manipulate his father. He's going to try to manipulate us. Um, But what we can try to do here at Elevate is is teach him, you know, some responsibility and teach him some life skills and show him that manipulation is not going to make him succeed in life. So the the conversation lasted for about an hour this morning, and and I I think she came around um, to to the idea of giving them another shot. Uh, if you can 
paint a picture that we have uh, a program that's different. You guys are, you know, running Elevate in a completely different light than what a lot of these places, uh, rehabs do. Um, and, and she she listened to me. Um, I'm still trying to figure out whether or not I'm going to get her to, you know, spend all this money to, to bring her son here. But that's my goal. And I I hate talking about the money. I literally hate it. And it's it, the worst part, right? It pains me. Yeah. And I told her, I said, listen, I, I really don't want to talk about this. I don't, I don't give a crap about your money. You know, I want your son to be okay. I don't want you to call me in two weeks and say, hey, we kicked him out of the house and he overdosed because he mm-hmm. took some fentanyl. Right. He overdosed. He took some heroin. And that's kind of what I was presenting to her. And she was listening. And she also eventually said, hey, I'm mad at myself for being manipulated, you know, over and over and over again. But it's just, it's a, it's a tough thing. It's, it's, it's sad to have to, um, you know, point those things out to a, a parent who loves their child and they're so deep into whatever addiction it may be that they are, they're going to beg, borrow, and steal from, from mom, from dad, from Whoever. me or you. They'll, they'll, yeah. they'll rob a bank eventually, right? So it, it's just really, you know, uh, with parents, it's, it's holding their hand, sharing my personal experiences and being in trouble for, you know, doing and selling drugs years ago. And um, nine times out of ten, they'll listen, you know, whether or not they, they, they do – what what you think is best you know you mm-hmm. can't can't do that but but you can talk to them and show them some love and teach them how to practice tough love and that teaching them how to practice tough love that's the most important thing with with my job is, is kind of letting them letting them make their own decision but not letting their child control them um, and that's normally you know how, how drug addicts do they control their, their whole family well, and that's not a quick process you're not going to establish trust with the family and and get them to change how they've been trying to cope with this situation for years and years and years in a five minute conversation. This is a process that needs to happen in order to get them and the addict to the place of wanting to get help. Oh yeah, yeah. they don't just like call in and I answer the phone or you know, Sadie passes me the phone call and they, they're all on board to you know, bring their child to our program. There's tons of rehabs, right, in, in the country. They're all over the place. A lot of choices. There's a lot of choices, right? So if you can, most places don't show compassion. Most places don't, you know, give you the time of day at four o'clock in the morning when your kid's in the next room doing heroin. They're going to yeah. call you back the next day at 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning. So that goes a long way, you know. Um, some people, you know, they, they they appreciate that. Others don't care. They want to find the cheapest fix and sure. you know, they don't care you know, <clears throat> what, what the, the outcome is. But if you can make a connection with, with those that... Um, do have an understanding of what their loved one's going through. It's, it's a lot easier. But, uh, yeah, it takes, take, takes a number of days to, to get people to trust you, especially on the telephone. We're not sitting, yeah, yeah. sitting at a table. They can't see me. I could be anybody, you know, mm-hmm. anywhere. And, um, you know, I, I woke up the other day, and I, I saw somebody sent me a text. It might have been my brother. And it was like a Yelp review. And it, it said, like, four lines. And it was, like, from a week or two ago. It said, thanks to Elevate for saving my husband's life. Um, a special thanks to Kevin for showing compassion and helping us quickly. That's all it said, right? And so mm-hmm. wake up and, you know, see a text from my brother or my mother or whoever sent me. I don't remember. But that, that makes you feel good. Right? It fires it, you up, man. It yeah. fires you up. makes you feel good that you're helping someone. And if, if you can get, you know, if you can help 10 people and eight of them stay sober for five years, then you're doing a good job. Yeah. Right? And, and that's, that's kind of how I think, you know, and... My, my goal is just to help people. It, it, it makes my sobriety completely easy. I don't have any problems staying sober. I don't have any problems with like cravings for drugs or alcohol because I'm, I'm almost living vicariously through these people that I'm trying to help. You know, whether yeah. it's a brother, a sister, a, a, a prospective client, a family member. Whenever I'm talking to a family member, I, I go back to what I put my mom and dad through. Oh yeah, and I don't ever want them to feel this disgust or pain or, or, or struggle again. So it's not a, not a great feeling for a parent. That's for no. Sure. Yeah. <clears throat> that's a super difficult, it's a super difficult position. And I think what you said too, right. You were like being connected to that. I need treatment, being connected to the hurting our families, being connected to manipulating mom for money instead of burritos to get heroin. Like you resonate with that and you stay connected to it to that helps you. You know, and in AA, they say always to help the newcomer and give back and service work. And that's kind of exactly what you're doing, right? You're answering the phone every day and 
it's not a nine to five type of job and that's commendable and that's that's hard work. You know, I feel the exact same way when I'm talking to clients about making amends. I remember I always tell them, I know what it's like to be in that chair and they get it, you know, right. if they know that you get it, it makes it a lot easier, you know? Yeah. Especially for when you're dealing with a client, right? Yeah, of course. <clears throat> a lot of times if a, <clears throat> if a person that's struggling with drug or alcohol addiction, if it's the first time, <clears throat> excuse me, that I've talked to them, I'll preface the conversation by saying, hey, Johnny, my name's Kevin. I just want you to know that I'm I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm somebody who used to struggle with drug and alcohol addiction, and now I'm helping people like you. So whatever you tell me, man. I get it. I've done that, you know, been to prison, you know, been, you know, close to death. Um, yeah. Been in many, you know, unforeseen unfortunate circumstances that drugs and alcohol had put me in but i don't even know 2012 i got sober and each year that goes by and i paint a picture of this to that young man or woman that i'm talking to you're going to get something in life you're going to get a car you're going to get a girlfriend you're going to get a dog you're going to get married you're going to get a house you're going to get a child right mm -hmm. and that's it's a weird thing but if you can tell that person that you're talking to that there is success eventually if you if you stay sober some of them are going to believe you yeah and some of them are going to feel the compassion that you have you know i wish i could like i wish i could have a movie just play it for them that encompassed my life from 2000 to right now i'd watch it a, a lot of people would <laughs> let's put it that way there's gonna be some crazy shit in yeah. there brad but, pitt plays yeah, kevin mallon there's gonna be some wild <laughs> stories but if i could like have like a one and a half hour movie and play it for these people, be you know, even their families, mm -hmm. it would be amazing. Game they'd over. Be, they'd, they'd be here running to the airport. They'd be running from San Jose to get here, right? And that's the, that's the fact because this place gave me my life back. It gave me my family back. Um, and that's my goal. Every time I'm talking to, you know, um, somebody's family or, or to a person, I tell them, that. I said, all I want for you is a, a portion of what I have in life. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them appreciate that. Yeah. So, well, you're giving them hope. You know, a lot of times we end up talking about the addiction and the drugs and the the failures and the losses. But you're on the phone being like, "Hey, man, like this can all get turned around. You can come to Elevate. You can get your life on track. You can have the things that I have. It's totally possible if you're willing to work for it. Let's do it." Well, and I think that's, that's a good message. And that's the key too. It's not a magic pill. You're not going to come to Elevate and suddenly you're fixed and life is wonderful. You you put in the work every single day. It wasn't like it just happened because you got sober it's it's a process throughout our life to continue working on achieving those milestones so yeah you, you're kicking butt in in every aspect of that Kevin, for well sure. thank you i appreciate that you know not not everybody you know wants to stay sober you know you get people that graduate treatment here and people that i know friends even family members that yeah. you know they'll do rehab or they won't do rehab they'll get sober for a couple of weeks and then they think that their life is better doing drugs or yeah. drinking right and that's that's unfortunate, but I guess everybody has their own story in life. And if you don't meet a certain part of gloom and doom, you know, maybe you're just going to continue down that path. But I think that's really what the program Elevate does is kind of teach you that anybody's different rock bottom, as they say, mm -hmm. um, is different, right? And why go backwards when you can go up and forwards in life and, and progress? Um, so I think it's, you know... It's to each his own whether or not they're going to stay sober. But if you can get here and, and get some of the tools and, and some of the, the skills that you guys are, are teaching the, the clients in the program, it's going to give them, you know, a much better chance at staying sober forever than just sitting at home doing nothing down the path. Yeah. Yeah. One thing you touched on, Kevin, and I do think it's kind of unique to us. And it's interesting because I actually used to find uh I thought it was a weakness due to, you know, people's perspectives, but 90% of our staff, I would say, are in recovery and we've been through the program. And now knowing where we're at, that's almost like the number one thing that the clients love about us is we've all walked the walk and been there and understand. So A, they can't pull the wool over our eyes and B, there's the relatability issue. We don't have, you know, a psychiatrist, like you mentioned, telling people what their problems are. We, uh, let them figure it out and we've been there and they can't really pull the wool over our eyes. You find that's unique and special about Elevate as well? Oh yeah, very much so. Um, you know, we have people that are LMFTs. We've got Tim and, you know, Scott, who, who may not have, well, Tim did, but we may not have always 
been in you know such a dark place as some of us that work here but the the clients that we have and when i'm talking to mom and dad or i'm talking to the clients the way i phrase it i say hey listen 85 percent of us that work here have been through some sort of struggle mm-hmm. right and that does it it goes a long way um to she said pull the wool over your eyes i actually use that phrase all the time um because in this instance with this woman my son's a manipulator right he he knows every trick in the trade he can uh, manipulate you he's gonna manipulate you guys yeah just get ready for it well guess what <laughs> ma'am i used to be that same manipulator right and today we i know how to you know not let someone pull the wool over my eyes um highly trained doctors and, and psychiatrists and people with these tremendous addiction you know degrees i will promise you <laughs> that if you put me in dallas in a room with those two people and two clients that we will run circles I like that. That's the bottom line. That's, That's the bottom line. And, yeah. and, and I, no disrespect to them. I mean, I went to college. I, I, yeah. I got an education, right? But uh, I don't even know because I don't really care. But if you're somebody, you know, you got a great PhD. You're a highly trained person with addiction background. But you've never struggled with what it feels like to wake up and go run around to search for some Coke or to run around and search for some Oxys or, or heroin. You got no clue what it's like, right? None whatsoever. It's that you shouldn't shit, know. That shit's better than anything you've ever had in your life, bro. Right? And you want that. It's gonna take advantage of your family, it's gonna take advantage of you, and eventually it'll kill you, right? So if you don't know what that that feeling of destitute, you know, desperation, I mean I'd I'd sell this cord to somebody for two dollars to get some drugs back in the day. You know what I mean? I bet you would. There's some lint on the ground, I'm gonna smoke that. <laughs> You know what I mean? And that's that's the bottom line. And if, if, if these clients that we have pick up on the fact that you understand and, and can relate to their own life, mm-hmm. it's going to go so much further than, oh, oh, Johnny, you've got, you know, PTSD and you have bipolar disorder. Here are these pills. You should take them. No, thank you. You know, give me some real life talk. Give me a person that cares about me that knows what I've that I've been through that knows what I want to go through mm-hmm. and then I'll go further than anything else yeah and, and I, I know that from from my life so personal experience yeah and professional experience for sure and just time in general it proves itself true you know mm-hmm. I can't I, I I like what you said of I always start with like here's who I am mm-hmm. here's why I know what you're going through here's why I'm qualified to help you know, and then once they let their guard down, because one thing I wanted to highlight, too, is when you were saying with, like, building trust and it taking up to three to five, six, seven days, months, it, it getting someone into treatment isn't, like, a one conversation. Like, oh, you have a program? Yeah, we do. Do you want to come? Yeah, okay, cool. See you soon. That's not how it works. <laughs> because the people that you're dealing with are hurt, don't trust, and are dealing with this chaotic crisis situation and... They don't know what to do. So it's there's a lot of moving parts, and I think you saying that you understand is like it just helps put that guard down, you know, and I think it takes time for the guard to come down. Yes. But I do like that you spend a lot of your time saying, dude, I get it. I get it. And and people trust that. People want to work with that. People want to work with people. Oh, yeah. And that does. it. They, they, they much quicker will let their guard down yeah. if you can show the empathy, if you can – Tell them that you've been in some sort of position like like they've been in, um, and usually if they present something to me, I've been in it. You know? I get that. Yeah, I've smoked <laughs> lint off the floor, right? You know, as so. well, Derek. But hey, you don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> and here's yeah, my movie. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a it's a tough thing, but the more life experience, especially life experience with drugs and alcohol, that somebody has, and they've seen, you know, I lost a cousin to a heroin overdose. I've, you know, I've seen I've seen it all, and and it's not. You know, it's not that I, I want that, but those things that I've experienced make my my personal self and my job a lot easier mm-hmm. because I can relate to trying to, trying to trying to help people. I think. Well, I think you you touched on something really important. Is everybody knows somebody that's struggling somewhere? Like that's this true. isn't this isn't something like you know your whole life you never knew anybody that became an alcoholic or died from an overdose. Like everybody has some story that's connected to addiction that you can relate on. 
Oh yeah, it's interesting, you know. So for for me and my job, you know, we we answer the phone. Fifty percent of the time, it's going to be little Johnny. He's calling for himself. He's got a heroin addiction. Um, Thirty percent of the time, it's going to be little Johnny's mom and dad, or mom or dad, who just doesn't know where to turn, and they're they're making a phone call. And then the other twenty percent of the time, it's sometimes a sibling, right? It's right. sometimes a friend who may know another person that's like doing drugs and they they have a lot of questions those are tough they really don't know too much about the scenario they don't know you know uh, really what's going on but there's a a wide uh, variety of different people in the world that see drug and alcohol addiction right so the amount of different types and relations uh, of people that i speak to it's it's amazing you know sometimes i'll get my cousin's nephew you know Mm -hmm. calling for my cousin's nephew all right. Yeah, right on. Where's he at? How can I talk to your cousin's nephew? You yeah. know, and you got to sometimes try to break down that, you know, triangle. You might not even know the person's name sometimes, mm-hmm. but they have a fear that that person's struggling with addiction. And if I can't help them come to Elevate for whatever reason, then I'm going to try to find them some help somewhere. So, Kev, my question now is, I know once a person is here, we can generally keep them here. They want to do the program. Maybe they have their ups and downs and they're willing and not willing, but we can get them through as long as they're either significant other or parent. The people on the other side hold firm, which can be all new for a lot of people because they're used to just, you know, caving in. But the ones that we lose that end up not not committing are the ones where the family gets reasonable and says fine yes you can come home the wife's like whatever he's a grown man he can do what he want to do those are the ones that we lose in the program and that don't complete on your side what do, what do you feel like is the typical ones that we don't get in what's what's the biggest so that's a that's a very good point um the ones that we don't get in it's, it's similar to that so in your, in your first point where you mentioned if somebody's here and they leave it's because they don't have uh, a strong family unit with a background that back backbone that's standing up for that person staying in treatment and not going home. Um, that's an interesting point. A lot of times nowadays, when a client calls for himself or herself, they may not necessarily want you speaking to someone in their family. They mm-hmm. may not their their wife might not know their um, children may not know that they're struggling, and they just want to go to rehab, pretend like they're at work for a month or two, yeah. three months. And then come back and act like everything was fire. You know, I have people say, hey, can you tell my wife that I was, you know, or can Depressed. you, can you yeah. just not, you know, I don't want anybody to be on my authorization form. So I, with those people, I really try to at least find one person that mm-hmm. they'll allow for me to, for them to be truthful with. Because when it comes time to you dealing with them, you dealing with them, Leslie, Jesse, you know, whoever's dealing with those people on a daily basis and they want to go home, if there's not an outside person, your job is next to impossible because makes it difficult. Yeah. You know, they're going to make their decision on their own and there's mm-hmm. nobody that you guys are going to talk to to change their mind. Um, on my end, the people that don't come into the program um, are, well, there's a lot, I deal with a lot of different scenarios. So if it's a, if it's a, if it's a parent calling for a child, the, the people that, and I'm dealing with one, a different person right now, it's a lack of setting boundaries on a parental front, right? Mm-hmm. It's somebody up in Tahoe living in mom and dad's apartment, um, rent-free, just lost their job at the ski resort, right? So drinks every day, punches holes in the walls. Okay, all right. Been coaching these people for a year and a half. You got to do this. Every six, eight months, they'll call me back and be like, oh, I think... He's ready. Yeah, that's okay. You're ready to go. Okay, man. You can do this, that, this. Well, it didn't work out. Get an email last night. I'm sorry. Blah, blah, blah. Do you have any further advice? Yeah. You can hire an interventionist, right? You can, I can help you do that. I can find somebody to come up there, sit down with your family, um, and then perform an actual intervention where they would actually bring little Johnny to our doorstep mm-hmm. and check him in. Now, oh, well, how much is that going to cost me? I don't know couple grand. Uh, that's a lot. Less than repairing all those holes in the walls. How much is his rent? <laughs> you kick him out of the house. You fix the walls, right, that he's broken. He hasn't paid rent in five and a half years. You guys would have $800,000, mm-hmm. you know. So the the ones that just refuse to 
you know, listen or to really set boundaries. And I, I don't know. I'm not I'm not a father, right? Not yet. Soon to be a father. Soon to be. I'm soon to be a father. I I'm, knew we'd get to that. Which I'm super excited <laughs> about, right? But um, if my daughter, you know, 20 years from now, um, and I'm different because I've been there, you know, comes to me and says, Dad, I, I have a heroin addiction. First, I'm going to be devastated. Right. But then. I'm like, going to know, okay, here's what's happening. And if you don't like it, then eh, I'm sorry. You, know, you got to do this. You got to do that. And you got to go with these people that I know and you got to be better, right? You got to go see my friends. Right. You got to go <laughs> see my friends. And and I'll, I'll probably succeed in all honesty, right? But some people don't have it in them to, um, I think, really set boundaries for their children or yeah. for their spouses. They don't want to see their loved one out on the streets cold and homeless. They think that's going to be, you know, the scenario when in reality that's, the reality that kid needs to confront in order to reach for help because mm -hmm. if there's no bottom there's no reason to get better if you're right. always fixing things why would you quit we don't quit using because it suddenly doesn't feel good anymore because we don't like feeling high that's never the reason that someone quits nope. it's because loss destruction bottom lines facing jail facing death there's got to be some reason that's a catalyst and if you never give them the catalyst why would there ever be a reason to quit oh yeah it's it's enabling they call it you know you let somebody walk all over you right yeah. you can live in my home you can drive my car you can have grocery money until that stops it, that's going to continue. You're going to continue drinking. You're going to continue, continue doing drugs. And it's it's amazing, and it's it's so sad to me. That's, it's super sad. Yeah, it's so that's sad. The, yeah, dude, it's super sad because it's it's traumatizing for the, the person that's not in addiction. It's traumatizing yes. for them. It's extremely sad to live in fear of, I'm damned if I do, I'm damned if I don't. And then on top of it, it's like, and you got to pay for it. Uh -huh. And then so people get super weird about money. Uh -huh. So there's this whole other barrier, money, fear, trauma. Well, good luck, Kev. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good luck, dude. Yeah. So those are the ones, the, the ones that don't have family support coming in or some tough love, you know, setting those boundaries, whether it be from, you know, your, your wife or your husband or whatever. Those are the ones that, that I can't seem to, to get here. Right. Yeah. Um, and I can promise you there's many more that I don't get here than I do get here, right? So for me, that's a tough that's a tough thing to swallow, right? The, the, Not getting everybody. Yeah, man, everybody. That, yeah. Everybody that I want to come here and everybody that I know could come here. Aren't know. here. No, they're not, you yeah. know, and... It's part of the gig, though, right? Yeah, so, you know... I, well, I'm glad you touched on that, too, because that was going to be one of my questions is, you know, in talking with you, it feels like Kevin Kevin Mallon, 100% success rate. <laughs> but the reality is there's so many families that can't or won't be helped, and you've got to have very thick skin to continue pressing on and moving forward when you see people falling off the line, you see people dying because they made a decision to not bring someone in you've got to have really really like for a lot of fortitude to <laughs> yeah. continue uh helping when you know it's this is not an easy job it truly is life or death you know it's funny that you said that i my success rate is nowhere near 100 <laughs> percent. it's closer to probably 10 percent wow um maybe seven percent depending on and and when i say that listen there's when somebody calls in and i take way more calls than some people just can't afford to come here Right. right, they don't right, have insurance right. that will cover our program, and they just flat out don't have anybody that you know has ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars, you know, however much it needs to to come to treatment. Right, so I still try to help those people the best I can and give them you know some give resources, some, yeah. give them some phone numbers, you know, pass them along to our, our friend Justice if he knows a program that can take that specific insurance or whatever. Um, but I woke up this morning, and I knew I was going to have to jump in the shower and come over here to do this. I woke up this morning at four o'clock and I saw that text from this woman that I'd been working with for, you know, a week. And it basically said, Hey, thanks for your help, but no, thanks. I'm not doing this. And it was devastating. It yeah. was like, God, I have to go through this all day again, you know? And, but I'm 99% confident that at two o'clock today, this dude's going to be rolling up in the, you know, detox area. Right. I love that. And if he doesn't, I did everything I could, yeah. right? And and I lost sleep over it. But yes, there are times where you wake up and you see a text like that or you get even worse news than that. And mm -hmm. it's like, okay, <laughs> let me step back. Let's just 
terrible. My job is horrible. Okay, but I'm I helped these three people last week. They are here. They are getting sober, and I got four text messages from people I don't even know who they are on Christmas saying you saved my child's life. Right? I woke up Christmas morning to like literally four or five texts from old phone numbers, and I didn't know who those people were. Like mm-hmm. I I helped them at some point, but I don't have their. I have so many phone numbers. You don't have their contact. That yeah. I'm not plugging everybody's name and number into my phone. I worked with them at the time, and then, but to to wake up on Christmas and see that, and one of them, I wish I had it still. It was like the most, like tear jerking thing you've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like this novel, like twenty line paragraph that was like it was just it was, it it made me feel good. Yeah, right. Bet. And it, it, if I get one out of ten like that, okay, then I'll lose sleep and I'll. You know, I'll keep doing my job, and some days it's going to be great, and some days I'll have tremendous victories, and other days I'll have tremendous losses. But for the people that I, I do help, it it outweighs the, the negative stuff for sure. Thousand percent. I mean, that's why we do what we do here, right, Kev? Like, you know, we put it all on the line to continue to help people that are struggling the way that we all did. Yeah, and it's not, you know, we're not doing it because we're driving around in fancy cars. You know, I've got a two thousand old beat up car that's about to breakdown but i i've been able to save up we bought a home you know and have a great wife and um a, a future ahead of me and that's that's all you can ask for you know so it really matters that's what matters right you know you don't need the, the fancy things in life you don't need to you know flash around a, a a lot of a lot of money and, and friends you just have people that you care about that care about you that know you're living the right way and you yourself will be happy that's all that's the reward that's the payoff yep yeah, man. Yeah, you definitely got a tough job. I definitely think, like, if I put myself in your shoes, and I've been in your shoes, you know, we've, we've talked. Mm-hmm. We've uh, coordinated some, some clients getting here, some prospective clients, and uh, that stuff's difficult for me. I deal mainly in the how to get sober, like how to work through why you're here, not like the how to actually get here. So mm-hmm. I usually don't deal with those, those situations. you got a family member that's doing extremely well from – Coming from me helping them get here. If I Very true. Right. Very true. Right. Yeah, dude. Absolutely. We so, we definitely do have that that dude uh, doing extremely well. Right. Year and a half sober. And I remember talking to your mom, and she was like, "There's no way that this dude skin sober is going to be like Dallas." And I was like, "All right, we'll just you know we'll see." You Let's know? give it a shot. Yeah, and he's not as young or buff as you are, bro, but he can definitely uh, <laughs> definitely stay sober, right? Yeah, he's definitely <laughs> living the dream, dude, you know? Yeah. And uh, that's what makes it all worth it, is staying tough, staying true, and really grinding these people, because we know what could happen. But then there's another, you know, two, three, four, five people that he, um, you know, that I tried to help, yeah. or him or his mother, that very much, a lot of them were that enabling type yeah dude where they were like okay I, I dallas can you help my son can you help my um, daughter um but kind of can you yeah, help yeah. them mm-hmm. i just want to show you dallas that i'm trying to help them but i'm not really set in stone that i'm going to set these boundaries yeah and that's that's what you know i run into a lot well, I don't think people are always ready for action. Like, that's what we kind of deliver is like, oh, this is your problem. We got the solutions. Let's do it. And sometimes it's too soon, you know. Sometimes people aren't ready to, to take action. And commit. I think that's a huge – yeah, commit too. And that's a huge, uh, you know, parallel to the program, you know, for maybe people that aren't familiar with the program. I always say one of the big difference here at Elevate is that we do things. That it's not just a mental exercise. It's not something that we just talk about. Mm-hmm. There are actions, there are steps, there are things you have to do to finish and to get done. So you don't just get to show up at Elevate and hang out and swim in the pool for 60 days and right. call yourself cured. Yeah. So I, I, I'm glad that came up because that's a huge parallel to you know us getting people into treatment. And then when they get here, it's like it's still time to go to work. Oh, yeah. And it's amazing with our retention rate, I think, because of the fact that the program is – difficult it's it's more difficult than 97 percent of the rehabs in the world you got to go and do things like yeah. you say right and you got to <laughs> perform you know acts of kindness you got to you know get rid of certain people in your life uh, you got to you know write things down that you may not want to confront in your life right and and a lot of people struggle with with certain aspects of that but the fact that we work them through it and 
hold their hand and listen to them cry and scream and yell, uh, it, it, it speaks volumes. You know, we most places don't do that, right? Elevate will do their very damnedest to keep someone there until they graduate treatment. Not because we want to bill your insurance or we want your money, but because we want you to succeed. Yeah. Right? We want you to stay in rehab and, you know, maybe train here. Maybe um, work here eventually one day. Maybe go back to college and get yourself a degree and go to journalism school or whatever mm-hmm. whatever you want to do. But if you don't do the whole program and you shortchange or shortcut what we're doing and you, you leave early, the likelihood of doing that, the way it's set up, is, is not, not as good. You know, if if you were to stay and, and finish it, right? yeah, the numbers don't speak as well on that. No, no. <laughs> well, and I love how you put that because that is that is right. They have to show up and they have to be accountable. They can't just like coast through. There's like work that has to be done in team, work that has to be done in education, work that has to be done in the gym. Like they mm-hmm. literally can't just show up and you know sit in the corner in a meeting and just be present but not be present like right. we force them into they have to do tours i mean and we yes. get a lot of complaints about that but it's like this is life we're literally teaching people how to go back and lead a successful life you're not going to have people cleaning up well probably most people won't have people cleaning up after them they're going to have to like go back and learn how to take care of themselves and clean up after themselves and do all the little things that as an addict you don't do Right. And this is the opportunity to relearn how to do all those things so you can take that with you out into the world. Absolutely. I'm talking to a guy right now. Um, he's really upset that somewhere he read that when he's here, he's got to do a chore every day. And it's written, we wrote it somewhere on some kind of that. Yeah, yeah. I don't go out of my way and say, hey, buddy, guess what? After lunch on Fridays, you're going to be, you know, sweeping the pool area. I just don't talk about that. For but, sure. but it's somewhere, and if they ask, I tell Seems them. Seems minuscule at the right? time. Yes. So that if they ask, sense. I tell them the truth. And this guy is like dead set on he's too cool to take out the trash. Really? He's too cool to wash the windows with Windex for 15, 20 minutes at a time. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, man, let me ask you a question. Who's, where do you live? And he's like, <laughs> I live with my girlfriend. I was like, okay, who cleans your house? Like, do you eat there? And he's like, yeah. I said, do you do the dishes? And he said, no. He said, well, who, like, do you order pizza? And he said, yeah. I said, do you just leave the pizza box sitting in your living room? And he was like, yeah. I said, well, who cleans it? And he said, my girlfriend. I said, you know what, dude? Your girlfriend's an idiot because you're sitting there drunk as hell every single day. You can't as much help her take out the trash. You can't do the dishes. You probably can't even bathe yourself, right, because you're so drunk. And she's doing everything for you. So, number one, your girlfriend's not helping you. Mm-hmm. And number two... Unless you learn how to, like, brush your teeth, unless you learn how to take out the trash, unless you learn how to uh, do a simple thing like, um, you know, washing dishes, I can assure you, you are not going to get sober. Yeah. Right? Your life's going to be pretty miz. Right. Yeah, and it's not, he's not, he's not, I remember being high and drunk, and I still did the dishes. Yeah. I still took out the trash, right? Functioning out. He's not doing that stuff because he's high or drunk. And he has someone doing it for him. Right. He's not doing it because he doesn't want to do it, right? So if you can, if you can walk, get somebody to want to stay sober, you sure as hell better be able to get them to want to take out the trash. Mm-hmm. I hope that's making sense to you. That's making sense. You know you're, what I mean? You're, you're, I'm picking up on it, Kevin. So yeah. it, it pisses me <laughs> off, man, because you're, dude, this dude's drinking a fifth, two fifths of Jack Daniels a day. Mm-hmm. Orders pizza. If his girlfriend didn't come over, it would be the yeah. house would be filled with. Chinese food and pizza boxes all the time. It's right? a weird barrier to not want to go to treatment. Like that's and, and it's it's outlandish, right? That like that's something that would get in the way of getting in getting some help and treatment mm-hmm. for your life. It seems like minuscule. Like, dude, don't even worry about the chores. Like your life's unmanageable. It's falling apart. Like what is going on? Right. But it just speaks volumes to how much help they really need. Like mm-hmm. that is where they are. Because you imagine as a normal functioning adult in America or in society that that is like a real dilemma for you. A real deal yeah. breaker. Yeah, like that's pretty nuts. Like you need help, buddy. Yep. You know, you need some help, dude, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, what comes up for me too is it's like the path of least resistance. You know, like you're always going to take it most likely. Sure. And that's a huge talking point. That's a huge recovery point. Why do more work than you have to? And that's kind of like this enabling addiction pattern that shows up a lot. Yeah. Why do more than I have to? Why do a 60-day program when I could do a 30, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So it's 
That's what's coming up for me, dude. So, I hope that dude cleans up his damn apartment. Me too. He be, comes and says, what's up to me. me. I want to talk to him. I'll tell you when he does. <laughs> yeah. It might take me a couple years. But I think yeah. you need to talk to the girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, well, trust I don't me. think it's going anywhere while she's no, still you know, taking not. care of everything you're, for him. You're right. And trust me, I've tried multiple times. He's just not giving her up yet. <laughs> of course not. Just tell him, like, dude, if you come reason. today, two weeks, no chores, we promise. Right. You don't have to do chores and detox. Yeah, and then I forget, and somebody's calling me, and then, you know what I mean? So I stay I, I I keep it very like I keep it very loose but I'm also very upfront with these people man I don't want them coming around and you know saying well Kevin said this or Kevin told me that and mm-hmm. if and if I do tell them something like they can use the computer a couple times a week for work then I'm going to call somebody and make sure that you know they already know that so it doesn't piss y'all off yeah or that, cause upsets for that's for, a great talking point dude because that happens all the time where you everyone you're talking to is high and drunk right so I kind of operate off of I know Kevin I know Kevin is not a liar. I know he knows about our program. And I know you were drunk and high when you talked to Kevin. So, therefore, I believe Kevin. I'm sorry. Right. And that comes up all the time, you know. Sure. I just don't remember. And back to the burrito story of, like, master manipulators. Mm -hmm. These guys act like we were born yesterday and we've never done drugs before. I'm like, dude, yeah, no. Kevin did not tell you that, like, you get access to Netflix. Yeah. You know. There's a. I know Kevin did not say that. No. People ask all the time, can I, you know. Can I have my Netflix? And I tell them no. Or can I bring my gaming system? And I tell them yes. If we can lock the Wi-Fi up, you can have your gaming system. Right, right. right. Which is true. Yeah. What about my cell phone? And the cell phone is a tough one, right? Because yeah. nowadays, and this you need it. This is disgusting to me. A lot of programs are letting these people, children, adults, have their cell phones after three to five days of being in rehab. Oh wow! What a nightmare. Yeah. Can you imagine if we had, you know, female and male clients in the program? They had each other's phone numbers. Oh my goodness. Nobody would stay here. Dude. Well, that that goes to the retention rate that we were talking about. That's probably why we have people able mm-hmm. to stick around is because we don't allow that. Mm-hmm. Dude, they would be and getting how drugs. Yeah. Shipped in on the dark web, dude. 100%. To our mailbox. It's unbelievable. And a lot of times <laughs> it's it's very difficult <clears throat> to explain to the the younger kids right. why that's the rule. They've had it their whole life. And they've been to two or three rehabs where they had it. Yep. And right. they made girlfriends and got drugs in the rehab. Okay, well, listen, man, that's not working for you. You know, I don't like not having my cell phone either. Mm -hmm. Um, But I remember specifically myself, your experience may have been different, but when I came here, it was the same. It was the same. Take my phone. All right, for the first week, every time I heard a noise or a vibrating sound, I would check my pockets for like the first week. But after a week, I was like, man, this is tremendous. This is nice. I don't don't ever want a cell phone again Mm -hmm. because... Mom's not calling me and yelling at me. My girl's not bitching me out on text message. My job's not calling me and telling me I missed work. Mm-hmm. I don't have any no bill collectors. None of that. Yeah, yeah. Thank God that. Yeah. Well, my phone got shut off because of that anyway. Right? <laughs> but <clears throat> that being said, if you if you give it a chance, it, it's actually it's an amazing. It's better of stress and 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 stuff. And I I try to share that with some of them. Some of them are like, yeah, right. What about my Instagram? Okay, man. Yeah, sorry, I can't get on Instagram. Dude, we're getting clients like uh, that are addicted to the internet, to the phone, to Instagram, to social media, to memes, and I'm yeah. like, wow. Yeah. So it's actually like a two, like it's actually really helping their first addiction, you know, which was to technology and to the phone and to the cell phones, and you know, for example, my weekly report just. I think it's every Saturday my phone tells me how much time I spent on my phone. Screen time. My screen time. And for me, someone that has a full-time job, it was still like three and a half hours average a week. Mm-hmm. Every day, three and a half hours on a phone. So you take that three and a half hours away from these clients and say, focus on your recovery. They're getting three to four minimum hours of just focusing on them, which is the original problem. And then it's the phone. And then it's the addiction. So it really plays a pretty big role of not having your phone there yeah on you it's there but it's not on you yeah i mean we grew up we didn't have the you know i grew up on atari and like nintendo and Mm -hmm. you know i I think myspace was like the first social yeah media platform great platform that i remember you know you weren't even born i was i was on myspace kev okay (laughs) then you were like seven Kevin's like six years older than me, man. <laughs> I had MySpace, dude. You were on my top eight. Tom, yeah. Tom, Remember Tom that? And then, it, then it became like Facebook, and then it became Instagram and Snapchat. And 
and it's fun. I like watching people's life and, you know, people that, you know, used to work here or still do work here. I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. look at that person, that idiot. <laughs> you know, that's so what he's funny. doing. Oh, he's doing sober. He's great. And you yeah. see somebody all, you know, looking terrible and, you know, at the bar taking shots or, you know, in a dark room smoking bong hits. And you're like, oh, that asshole. Yeah. You know? And we can reach out to him. And too, I'll, I'll yeah. do that, dude. I'll be me like, too. hey, man, hit me up if you need to talk or something. Yeah. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, I hear nothing back. Right. But I, I, I don't until they're in trouble. And exactly. Then like, okay, fine. Oh, yeah, help. But hey, at least at least you're planting the seeds, you know. And that was something I kind of wanted to circle back to as well. Of all those calls that seem like failures at first, two weeks, two months, two years down the road, they know who to call when the shit hits the fan again. They're like, dude, that guy Kevin, he was fast, he was quick, he knew his stuff, he was relatable. Whatever the reasons were that didn't work out then, they know to come to you. They know to come to Elevate. They know that their experience was helpful and constructive. Maybe the circumstances weren't right, but they always know to circle back. Yeah, and so what I'll try to do... And that happens. When when I feel like, okay, I'm about to fail. This person's not going to come here for whatever Mm -hmm. reason. What I'll try to do is always text them. Like uh, we have you know an admissions packet brochure or a virtual tour that I think Kayla created to... Because we can't have people come and tour right now. We have yeah. this beautiful virtual tour video. I'll like text that or email that to these people along with a nice little, you know, nice talking to you, blah, blah, blah. Here's my phone number in the future, blah. So probably five, six times a year, I'll get like random emails mm-hmm. from like, I don't even know who, who, I have to like go back, look up their phone number, look up their name. And Investigate stuff. a little yeah, bit. Yeah, but they'll be like, hey, you know, I talked to you about, you know, little Susie in October of 2016 and I was hoping you had some time to talk to me again. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then may go somewhere, little Susie may come or they may just want to talk to me again. You know, so I'm going to talk to them. Do they ever remember more than you do? All the time. And you're doing the like, yep, uh-huh. I remember Derek. <laughs> All the time. So the time. We, I've yeah. got I've got these pieces of paper that I keep very detailed notes on, but yeah. I also have a, a system. It's HIPAA protected, health information protected. And I do my very best if it's somebody that I think in the future I may talk to, to like write like a little paragraph right. about just so I can help spark yourself. Me. Yeah. But when, when it does happen and I haven't talked to somebody in three or four years, I'll be like, hey, listen, you'll have to forgive me. I talk to probably 200 people a week. Yeah, and I've done that for the last eight years of my life. Like, and and they're like, oh yeah, well, this is Fred, Fred Johnson, and you know, my daughter Susie was, you know, oh yeah, okay, Fred, yeah. I got no idea who this dude is. <laughs> so I'm like frantically searching on my computer and mm-hmm. looking through my emails, and eventually I can like piece enough parts of the puzzle together to talk to him, and then everything he's telling me is like kind of coming back, but not really. Yeah. But so we just, I start over. You know, and I have to start over. Yeah, dude, dress it yeah. in the present moment. Right. Well, that's fine. I was just in my head trying to do the math on, okay, so 200 a week times 52 weeks. That's like 10,000 people a year times eight years. Yeah, no wonder. <laughs> and those aren't, listen, those, excuse me, those aren't people that, you know, I talked to for extended periods of time. Like these these people that actually come to the program, we're talking, without exaggeration, like between eight for me, and I'm like very like detail oriented and I want them to be like, really understanding of what we're doing here so for me unless it's like a very fast moving thing that happens in a two or three hour period in one day i talk to these people for usually between eight and 15 hours at a time yeah right? between like first the phone client, call and admission the parent sometimes their girlfriend wants to know what's okay okay yeah. you know yeah well the other thing that because of that relationship i find uh, is really successful is we'll often get wind of somebody relapsing or we'll see something and it was like well who was the admissions guy and we'll immediately reach out to you like kevin you need to reach back out to that family and because you've already established that trust and they you've already helped them before i find that that is a lot easier too because you know here's kevin he's still here he's going to help you again he helped you last time and I think that process um, is really successful for us as well. Oh, yeah. No, and that's a good idea. Sometimes, um, you know, Amanda Jones in Aftercare will uh, call me and she'll be like, hey, can you call this person out? I'll always look it up to mm-hmm. make sure if it's somebody that Mike helped get here, I'm going to call and text Mike and say, hey, call this person. Because it does, it makes it a lot easier if, if somebody's looking, they don't want to talk to somebody they don't know, yeah. right? So if I, if I helped that person, then I'm going to call them and say, hey, all right, tell me where you're at, right? And, and what can I do to help you? But they don't want to have to like start over, right? You know? And and some of them are like super willing to come back, and they they really want to come back. And other ones are really on this like seesaw, 
God, I just left there a year and a half ago. I've only drank 20 times since I've been out. Okay, well, you come back and get it right, or you drink another 20 times in the next year and let me know I'll how you're doing right. next year. Yeah. You know, those people you can be a little bit more stern with. Right. Yeah. Right. Cause, it's true. Because you have a relationship with them. Mm hmm. Same thing with this woman right now. She's actually texting me. I'm going to be stern with her. Yeah. Because she's got to help her son. Does, dude. It's important. So she's either going to, by 5 o'clock tonight, she's going to be sending me great texts or we'll see what happens. <laughs> well, <laughs> Stay and, tuned for the next episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the follow up episode. Well, I think the, the differentiator and why you need to be stern and why you have to be stern is we're literally talking life or death. And I wanted to bring this up because I think, and you'll probably agree, last year we saw more overdoses. Oh, yeah. Than any other year we've ever seen. I know a lot of it has to do with the pandemic, the shelter in place, and a lot of it is this fentanyl that's mm -hmm. hit the streets and is literally laced into everything. So I think for yourself and, and really handling parents, like, and us seeing so many people die, it helps you be a little more stern than, you know, okay, yeah, you're right. You know, let your son just call when he's ready. Because if he's doing heroin, he's doing fentanyl, it could... The very next dose could be it for him. Lethal. And someone needs to be stern. That is the reality. We don't live in a fairy tale world where that's not a reality. It's very, it's it's crazy. It, a lot of it has to do with the coronavirus. Obviously, when people aren't going to work or they don't have jobs anymore, um, whatever it may be. But that's causing more alcoholics from what I'm seeing, right? Yeah. The fentanyl is causing overdose deaths. We, at this table, know People, First hand, yeah. Like a number, I know a number of people yeah. that in 2020 died of fentanyl overdoses, right? Yeah. People I was talking to on the phone, people that I'm friends with, you know, people that have, you know, worked here in the past. I mean, it's, it, it's sickening, right? It is, so, man, it is. You guys have a bit of a different perspective. I I have a perspective of, the, and it's a, it's it's almost, I can't tell if it's worse or better. I don't really know these people mm -hmm. that I'm talking to on the phone. But I sure as hell have this amazing, um, you know, conversation pattern with a parent. And then three weeks later, when I go to call them back, they're in tears. And they're like, thank you so much for your help. We just buried, you know, uh, little Johnny yesterday. Right. Yeah. So it just, it, it like throws me into this, like, yeah. just complete, like, I'm a failure, dude. I didn't help him come here. I did, you know, mm -hmm. but then so I'm like, okay, all right. That's part of what. It's part of the job, yes. man. Yeah, it sucks. Part of the job. Right. And it's part of the job that people that have worked here go out and overdose and die. It's part of the job that, you know, our friends and family have, have been through that, that stuff. But the more people you can help and keep from dying and keep from uh, overdosing or um, the better you'll, you'll feel about it, I think. Yeah. I mean, the blessing of being able to help is also the curse. It's, right. it's the same thing. What makes this job so great is what makes this job so hard. Yeah. You know, and we're kind of, uh, it's it's like a negative graph. You mm -hmm. know? It's like baseball. You strike out seven times out of ten, but those three times you didn't, you're getting paid. Yeah. You know, or it feels good. Batting 300. Yeah, if you're batting 300, man, you're, you're having a good year. You're going to the Hall of Fame know? if you're batting 300. And, and that's life. pretty gnarly. Like, to say that out of ten people, you know, maybe five of them didn't die. Mm -hmm. You know, that's yeah. that's like an overall negative thing, but... That's just kind of the world or the industry that we're in where saving five is better than losing ten. Yeah. You know, and we'll take that kind of every day, and that's why we show up, and that's why we're here. And, well, and it's God. super difficult, dude. For me, but, fentanyl was never around. I never got into heroin, but the oxys, I was taking them. And now, nowadays, and I see it in people's file, they think they're taking oxys. Yeah, right? man. And they're like, oh, I took yeah. some oxys. That's all. And then they come here, and they give a uh, urine a UA, right, yeah. urinalysis, and it's benzos. It's... Um, opiates, it's fentanyl because they're putting them in these pills all together, these crushed up pills that actually represent the the thirty milligram oxycodones have the same little stamp on them, right? Mm -hmm. But in actuality, there's probably Xanax and fentanyl. fentanyl and, yeah, right? so it's it, it, it's a scary. And thing. that's that's the worst part is it is is created this new. It's created like this new uh, like what's the best? This is the best way I can explain it, right? Almost all of us know somebody that's probably not a drug addict but takes Percocet or takes Vicodin every once in a while mm -hmm. or takes Xanax every once in a while. And back in the day, for probably all of us, 
You're only dying if you're shooting heroin. That's the only way you're probably dying. Right. Possibly a heart attack from too much cocaine. That yeah, too. That too. <laughs> but very often the ODs were from just mainlining heroin. And that, you know, if it killed you, you knew it was coming. You don't shoot heroin because it can kill you. That's the sure, thing. Sure, nobody mm-hmm. overdosed from meth or LSD. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. No. But nowadays, a, a normal person could just get a Percocet from their friend and it could, and they could, Chew it, snort it, and it could kill you. Right. You could snort one fake Percocet that is fentanyl, and it kills you. Yeah, yeah. So the like the ability to die on accident has increased tenfold, a hundredfold. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's why we saw such an upsurge last year in the amount yeah. of deaths of people that we know from fentanyl. Mm-hmm. For those exact reasons. I don't think they were chronic users. I think, mm-hmm. oh, let me just try this one. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. That's all it takes is one yeah. and one pill. And yeah. We all know that these people aren't most likely. Most people in addiction are not trying to kill themselves. That's not their idea. They're trying to solve some sort of pain or dilemma, but they don't want to die. No. So it, it's an act. For the most time, it's an accident. They're, they're not looking to die. They're not looking for that to be over. So it's extremely sad and it's it's pretty gnarly, you know. Like oh, yeah. I, I think I know probably at least twelve people that have died just in the last ten months, God. personally. From easily, fentanyl, fentanyl yeah. Yeah. easily, yeah. dude. Yep. Yeah. It's easier them, to get. It's yeah. a lot cheaper. Like you said, it's any kind of pill. Half the time they don't even know it's in the pill. Like, uh, you know, you're not out there having to hustle like the old days to be a heroin addict on the streets and, you know, your tolerance is super high and yeah. you got to have a lot of money to support that. It's not like that anymore. You could have three bucks and get a pill and die. Yeah. Yeah. Five yeah. to ten bucks, you can get a perk set that you could snort and it might kill you. And that's extremely sad. And, you know, for everyone that's listening, people should be aware of, like, the, the current climate, the current atmosphere. It's There's not a lot of wiggle room to mess around with this type of stuff anymore. No, and it's, no. it's a big wake-up call, yeah, I think. Yeah, and that is something I've, I've had to um, broach with families over the last four or five months. It didn't come up before. People right. weren't... Um, I mean, now I get people calling me. They live in San Jose. The kid calls. He's like, hey, I need help. Hey, okay, what are you doing, man? Are you drinking? Are you doing drugs? I'm smoking fentanyl. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay. You're going to a drug dealer to buy fentanyl. Like, that's what you do when you wake up in the morning? Like, yeah, man. Okay, why are you doing that? <laughs> you know? Why are you God. doing that? Please don't do that today. Mm. You know, and it terrifies the shit out of you, dude. Yeah. Because these people actually know. What they're it, doing. It yeah. must be, like, just phenomenal. It must be, like, the most amazing drug. Thank God, you know, I, I never... You probably, I think you did it back in the day, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I never, I never saw it. I never heard of it. In fact, only in the last two or three years has it become a mainstream thing, mm-hmm. right? And it's coming, I think, from Mexico for the most part. And, and China. Yeah. We need to figure out a way to stop it. But now they're, it's not just they're lacing it, the oxy pills with it. People are like, okay, my buddy died of a fentanyl overdose. I bet that's a really good drug. Right. Let to, me go take that drug. Solely. I'll solely it, do that one. Yes. That's well, we see upsurges in, in places where there's like a rash of overdoses, like the addicts find out and mm-hmm. they go there. They're like, that's the good stuff. Yes. And that's where they try to go get their drugs because if people are ODing like that, that must be the good stuff. Yes. That's the sickness of an addict mentality. Yes. What you is, would think it would scare them, but instead it like gets them excited. Like that's a really good high. What's the stamp on the bag say? Who, who did you get that bag from? Or where is that did, blue magic? Right. Yeah. China white, whatever, you, you know, you, mm-hmm. you know the terms better than I do, but um, you made a good point. People don't, people don't overdose. Well, usually 90, yeah. 97% of the time in my eyes, people aren't going to go out, do a bunch of drugs and intentionally die. Right. They're not trying to kill themselves. Um, they are trying to escape from, you know, a loss in their life. They're trying to escape from a relationship, from, you know, a failure at home, whatever it may be. So they're trying to numb the pain. Right. Of course. So nowadays the drugs are so good and powerful that they're doing probably the same amount that they did three or four years ago. And they got sober for a few years or maybe not. And then they did just this little bit of drugs and you die. Yeah. Because they, they're not prepared for whatever physical effect is going to come mm-hmm. and unfortunately drug use is usually kind of like a, a secretive act you know it's a secrecy thing an isolation thing for the most part you know there's not a lot of you don't see a lot of fentanyl parties yeah. you know you don't go play <laughs> fentanyl pong 
at a house party. Or crack parties. Yeah. Have I been to them? Yes. Yes. Do they exist? Most likely not. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Kevin's like, I've been to a crack party. I've been to a few. Yes. Damn it. But that's that's the thing, man, is people do this on their own and they don't get to come back. And it's a it's a it's a big mistake. And you know, I know the undertone of the last couple conversations we've had about this is pretty dark. But it is reality, and we like to deal in reality, and we like to deal in the truth, and, you know, people should be aware. And uh, I think that's where the solution comes into place, which is what we've been talking about, and elevate and treatment programs and centers that can turn this all around, yeah. you know, and they exist, and there's help out there. And that's what the point of this podcast is, is to get it out there to everybody, you know. No yeah, barriers. I mean, that's got to be the message. Help us here, is, yeah. yeah. Don't wait. Like, don't think, okay, well, let's just see how it goes and we'll handle this, like, you know, in a couple weeks or a month or, like, don't wait because you never know when that time will be the last time. Yeah. And we're seeing it more and more. And you're right. Corona uh, has made it worse because then you're not seeing people. They're not being held accountable. They don't even have to leave their house. Like, it's just, it's it's escalated things to, you know, the nth degree of what we're seeing. Yeah, thank God I have comfortability in you guys doing in your sobriety. I mean, working from home, I could only imagine if somebody was like borderline a drug addict or like borderline an alcoholic where they had like maybe four or five beers at nighttime on the weekends or yeah. even four or five nights a week. I mean, sit in your house all day and you got, you know, this playground of whatever you want to do. You mm-hmm. know? And a lot of people, whether it's a teacher who has been forced to work from home and do Zoom classes or whether it was, um, you know, somebody that worked at a bank and they got laid off because, yeah. you know, uh, furloughed or something like that. Those people are what I'm seeing. They're, they're going from, you know, weekend, two, three bottles of wine to an extreme alcoholic right. in a period of six to eight months. Yes. Right. Or it used to be social. Like, okay, I'll go mm-hmm. have a few drinks with my friends on the weekend to now I'm not allowed to see my friends mm-hmm. on the weekend. So let me just start drinking every day. Let me start drinking all day. And then, yeah, yep. escalate it. Bad. Yep. But that fentanyl thing, I mean, if that's not enough to for Scary, someone like yeah. me and you, you to, hey, dude, I'm good with those drugs, bro. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay. I'm good with that. You know? Four, I'm all right. I'm good with that. <laughs> you know, I'm good. All right. It just, you think, I mean, God, you just want somebody to wake up and be like, okay, maybe if I'm going to relapse on drugs, I shouldn't do fentanyl mm-hmm. or heroin or any form of blue pill that has the M30 written on yeah. it. Yeah. Right? Those oxys, that's what they oh, say. Oh, yeah, and, M stamps. Yeah. And it's just crazy. This, these people tell me I'm doing, I'm just doing two blue 30s a day. I'm like, okay, sure. Yeah. Come on in. And yeah, I need know, to see you boom, immediately. Boom, 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 boom. Everything's yeah. lit up. Yeah. You know, and yeah. they have no idea. And then there's the other ones that are searching it out, which is just. Well, yeah, that's why places like this exist, you know, because people are in denial, man. Yep. People are in denial, dude. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to be in denial, but it's it's not okay to not do anything about it. Yeah. Well, you just want to help. That's, that's the call to action right there. It's not okay to not do anything about it. Right. You know? Knowingly. Knowingly, yeah, man. As an it's, addict, yeah. as a, a loved one who knows somebody who's an addict, like, doing nothing is not the solution. Yeah. Right. That's, that is very true. That is very true. Well, hey, how do we want to wrap this up, guys? Let's bring it up a little bit. You well, know? Kev, you kind of mentioned <laughs> all the amazing things. Now, let, let us talk about the amazing things going on in your life right now. Oh, all right. From sobriety. From sobriety. What did we say, eight years later? Yeah. From not doing fentanyl, what has happened? Well, I've, first yeah. off, I've enjoyed our conversation. I think we covered a lot of good points, and I'm happy to come back any time, as long as my boss lets me. I'm sure she's listening. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. I... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, got a small little condo in Scotts Valley that we that we purchased. I got married back in September. Um, about a month after that, we realized that we were having a baby. So, Sophie. Sophie. Sophie's going to be her little, name. Little baby Sophie. Sophie Elizabeth Mallon. That's her name. Oh, and she's I love that. supposed to be born on May the 12th. So Gotcha. Um, my brother has a birthday. On May the 9th, so, and I think Mother's Day falls right in that same little. That's a good so little string of days. Yeah. Um, my wife, Jennifer, works here as well. Um, so she, you know, she's getting pretty pregnant. You know, you get to the. <laughs> she's getting pretty pregnant. Yeah. She told me last night I was going to have to start tying her shoelaces soon. Wow. So, um, it's, uh, it's fun. I, I've always wanted children, but I've never been married, and I'm not the type of guy to just go out and have a child out of wedlock. That's just not who I am. So. I got married. That's and good, Kev. Before we knew it, 
you know, we were having a baby and she's, she couldn't be happier. So I'm, I'm super excited about that. I love my job. I love working from home. It's a, it's a challenging time for everybody um, to, to live through what we're going through. But I'm happy that, you know, my life is progressing. And, and each year, you know, you have, you have shitty months, you have crappy days or crappy weeks, but each year that goes by, you can, you know, kind of wake up on January 1st of that next year, yourself, yourself, myself, and say, hey, I'm still sober, I'm happy, I have a roof over my head, I have people that I love and that love me, and uh, uh, you don't want to trade that for the world. Mm-hmm. Drinking a bunch of alcohol or taking a bunch of drugs is, is going to take all that stuff away that you've ever had for um, the last, you know, eight, nine, in my, in my case, years. And I don't, I don't ever want to go back to that person that I was before. My parents are proud of me. You know, my dad and mom are getting up in their age, but I put them through a life of, you know, misery for a long time, um, not trusting me and me manipulating and lying to them. But, you know, all the years go by and they, they couldn't be happier. Yeah. So proud of you. You help people and you're sober and, hey. Doesn't get better than that, dude. No, dude. No. That's all you want. Yeah. You want your dad to be stoked on you. Yeah. Yeah. And he is, dude. Yep. And we're stoked on you, Kev. Your wife's stoked on you. <laughs> yeah. Sophie's going to be stoked yeah, on man. you. You are going to be an amazing father, Kevin. I can say that without a doubt. Thank you. Hell yeah, dude. And I'm well, excited. Yeah, me too. And yeah. we're going to spoil the heck out of your little girl for sure, no doubt about it. Yeah, she's uh, she's in for a long ride. <laughs> she's gonna she's got to deal with you for the rest of her life, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. She doesn't even know what's coming. <laughs> she has no idea. Yeah, I'm, I'm super stoked. So. Yeah, you should be, man. That's cool. That's, you should uh, be very proud of yourself of where you are and what you've done and what you've accomplished and how hard you work to help other people. Um, you're one in a million, Kev. Thank we are you. so happy to have you and lucky to have you on our team. And of course, dude, we can't wait to make this movie. <laughs> and I can just send it off to everybody. That yeah, I'm dude. Yeah, and you, our, you, our, you our, can put the phone down. You know? <laughs> All right, guys, that's our show for today. We hope you found some value from listening. And if you did, please share with someone you know or love. You can find us on social media. We are at Elevate Addiction Services. And if you or a loved one are struggling with addiction, please call our toll-free, confidential 24-hour helpline at 833-33-SOBER or visit our website at elevaterehab.org.